every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello and welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Dave DeBaugh, CMO of CleverTap, the leading AI-powered customer engagement and retention platform. Dave has been leading high-growth marketing teams in Silicon Valley for the past 20 years. Prior to joining CleverTap, he led marketing at Agora, and he currently serves as an advisor and board member for several Silicon Valley startups. On this episode, Dave details his strategy for building a growth brand in the B2B space, the unique challenges of being a global company and evaluating international markets, and why it's your job as a marketer to always try and make things memorable. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Qualified.com. If you are a B2B marketer who has always dreamed of knowing when a qualified prospect is on your site and being able to talk to them instantly, now you can. Learn more at Qualified.com. And now, please enjoy this interview between Dave DeBaugh, CMO of CleverTap, and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. And today, we are joined by special guest, Dave. How are you? I'm doing great, uh, Ian. I'm uh, you know, super excited to be here with you today. I'm looking forward to the tough, hard-hitting questions uh, that I'm sure you're going to hit me with. Indeed our listeners would expect nothing less. So let's get started. What was your first job in Demand Gen? My first job in Demand Gen takes me all the way back. I'd like to say late 90s, um, but if uh, if I really go back, it actually started in the mid 90s. So I'm definitely aging myself a little bit here. But yeah, it was back in the uh, mid 90s and I was responsible for figuring out how to get pharmaceutical companies and medical device companies into our company so that they could purchase an emergency fax broadcast system, which allowed them to um, pump fax broadcast back to pharmacies and uh, doctors and hospitals um, across the world in case of a medical recall. So if you will, my first real demand gen gig, you know, out of college, was actually a gig that helped people in a roundabout way. So flash forward to today, tell us a little bit about your role at CleverTap. So my role at CleverTap is I'm the company's um, CMO. I joined CleverTap about a quarter ago. You know, one of the things that has me super excited about CleverTap is the space that the company lives in and plays in. It is in this really interesting engagement and retention space really inside of uh, mobile apps and applications. And what CleverTap essentially does is it makes it possible for our customers to engage with their customers across omni-channels, so email, text, SMS, and other areas. Um, But at the end of the day, what our product really helps our customers do is it helps them stay in touch and provide the right content to the right people at the right time. That is something that I certainly um, used to say back in the mid-90s. 
Yeah, I know. Marketing gets different and it stays the same here. And, and nothing, I guess, ever changes. Let's get to our first segment, The Trust Tree. With the knowledge you've been given, you are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree in the nest, are we not? This is the place where we can go and feel honest and trusted, and you can share those deepest, darkest demand gen secrets. So what would you say is your demand gen strategy? You know, having, um, you know, been in the Silicon Valley now, or as I like to call it, the Silicon Valley for the last 20 years, um, I've developed a couple different um, demand gen strategies. You know, it certainly depends on the, uh, the brand and what you're trying to accomplish. Majority of my career has really been spent in B2B marketing and at CleverTap and at Agora, which was the company I was at prior to joining CleverTap, both of those companies were really focused in the mid-market and the enterprise side of the mobile engagement space. When I look at demand gen and I look at a company like CleverTap, you know, the strategies that we put in place are pretty straightforward. And it starts with this basic sort of principle, which is, know exactly who you're actually trying to sell to. Now, CleverTap is a global brand. We have six different regions that we support around the world. And each of those regions are a little bit different in terms of the strategies that you put in place and how you actually target in those regions. But one thing stays constant which is you have to know who you're going after in each of those regions. So in North America, for example, we would want to know who are our top tier one prospects that we're going after, who are the uh, tier two prospects that we're going after. And since we really live in the mobile app space, trending apps, as you know, and I think as we all know, play a big role uh, in growth for companies like CleverTap. So we, um, we monitor heavily monthly active user data from a couple different sources. And then we connect that back into a master database where we supply and bring in intent data as well. So what that basically means is we've built this huge database And inside that database, we actually know all of the major brands in North America. We have a sense of the growing apps, and we're able to actually track trend inside the database itself and determine which of those companies are most interesting and we think are a really good fit to be potential CleverTap customers. That's really cool. I mean, that's like reading the crunch base announcements or something like that when somebody raises and you're like, oh, somebody raised 50 million. They're probably a target for us now or something like sort of similar idea. But looking at it from an app perspective, that's fascinating. That's really cool. Yeah. So who is your ideal customer profile? You talked about, you know, your different geographical demos and we'll get more into geography here in a little bit. But who's the person or the committee that buys the product? So it's sort of one of these funky new titles that I think is really the target for CleverTap and probably a lot of other businesses like it. It's interesting because like when I started, I said, okay, you know, who do we go after? And so the answer was, well, we target product owners, we target C-suites, and then we target marketers and, and people like myself, CMOs as well. 
And I said, wow, I, I mean, it sounds like we target basically everybody and their brothers and sisters along the way in our targeting. So what one, you know, when I really sort of honed in on it, what we really target is growth teams inside corporations. So those growth teams might be growth product, product marketers. They might be product teams that are led and connected back into growth initiatives. And also we target growth marketers. One other sort of interesting thing as well, if you know, in the last couple of weeks, Clubhouse has blown up. And I think Clubhouse is like a really good example of a brand that definitely, you know, flew under the radar for quite some time. And if you were looking at, you know, MAU data, you could see that, you know, Clubhouse was starting to ramp up. If we were to sell to Clubhouse, though, today, we would actually be reaching out to their CEO. We'd be reaching out to their engineering team, their product team and the marketing team because it's such a new organization that those co-founders and those people inside those C-suites positions, especially at these trending, new trending sort of app businesses, are very interesting. Um, and, and those are the people that you ultimately target. Those people, that founding team, spend half their time building product, basically, is what you're saying. So, of course, so once the company gets a little bit older, maybe the CEO and chief product officer or whatever they're called spend 10% of their time building products. They have a team of people that are doing that and a person, a direct report who now does that with more of their time. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Think about it. You know, if you were to compare them to, um, I don't know, like an IBM, for example, I mean, you'd, you'd be really hard pressed to actually find a co-founder of IBM at this point, just because the company's been along so long. But same thing like at Amazon as well you'd be very hard pressed to, you know, connect with Jeff Bezos at this point, you know, especially since he's just stepped down or stepping down. But it's too far up the food chain. You you really are speaking to, you know, to people who are connected to growth initiatives. Because what CleverTap really offers for an e-commerce brand, it, it makes the purchasing of products and supplying um, content inside an app more direct at that particular user that is using that app. So Ian, um, I'll turn the tables on you for a second. What's your favorite e-commerce app as an example? What is my favorite e-commerce app? Thrive Market? How about that? What kind of products would you purchase on Thrive Market? Oh, you know, some snacks, maybe some uh, some seaweed or some uh, maybe some maybe some bars. How about some uh, like Lara bars or something like that? Maybe some jerky. There you go. Okay, yeah, I finally mentioned something I would buy. You lost me at seaweed. So, um, so you know, you're on your uh, you're on your Thrive app, and you just launched it. And when you launch the app the sort of the traditional experience that you would receive. There's the products that Thrive Marketplace wants to promote. And then much like your Netflix recommendations that you see when you're on your Netflix account, e-commerce companies are sort of doing the same thing with your purchasing data and your viewing data. They're bringing that information forward into your app experience thus creating a completely personal experience for Ian inside the Thrive Marketplace app. By the way, uh, Thrive Marketplace, I'm, I don't think they're a customer of CleverTabs yet, but I'm um, you know, just using that as, a, um, as an example. The other thing that Thrive Marketplace would do as well is automate the process 
so it's uh, Ian normally buys, and, and I'm sure his family and friends know this, jerky, you know, uh, three times a month. Uh, you know, based on Ian's purchasing trends, they will actually send you jerky discounts and jerky announcements. You know, I was laughing with my dad about this, this term, this, this omni-channel term, which is, you know, a term that uh, I was using in the 90s. And in this particular case, it really is omni-channel because you will be sent an email, you will be sent a text message inside the app experience. Next time you go into it, you will see um, promotions for jerky. And the companies that are super advanced, believe it or not, will even bring in old school, traditional uh, direct marketing into the mix as well, which I find fascinating. It's beyond fascinating. I love the idea of personalization in an app. I love the idea that websites are personalized, that you go to it when you're already a customer and it feels completely different. And I think a lot of marketers love it too. They just don't know how to get there, that they're not quite there yet. Taking a step back, there's one of the things that you mentioned from a B2B perspective that we actually talk about quite a bit on the show. When you're marketing to a group that has a new title in B2B. So, you know, you mentioned growth as this new position that's one part product and one part marketing and and has to do with something that's a little different than you know, things that we traditionally thought marketing might be dealing with. And then some things are the same. But anytime you're marketing to a group like that, it's always an advantageous position to be because they're making the rules, right? As they go, there's not a proven track record of someone having that title and that job. And I'm curious, how do you think about that? How do you think about, you know, I mean, that growth is a little bit more commonplace, but not everybody shares that title or shares that sentiment. So that's one piece of it. The second piece, we'll get into some of the geographical challenges with that same approach. You know, go back 25 years ago. Had you heard of a CMO title before? Go back 10 years ago. I remember I was talking to a, a friend who uh, worked for me for a couple of years in sort of like a VP marketing and product capacity. And uh, he called me up one day and said he was a CRO. And I was like, what the hell is that? What is a, you know, a CRO exactly? So he explained it to me and I said, so you're really just like a VP of sales. And he said, well, no, it's different than that. So as I've sort of like experienced this issue of sort of targeting, you know, new titles throughout my career, the one thing that um, is always hard to sort of figure out, especially when you're at a, a new company, is exactly what is it that you're solving that can be specific to that person that you're trying to sell to? You know, regardless of what the title is, what is it that they do that you can really help them out with? And so that's the, um, you know, sort of the overarching, you know, sort of thing that I preach inside the CleverTap marketing organization. And I'm sure at this point, even after only a quarter of being there, my team is probably tired of hearing me say, we help your users do the following. And, you know, that is sort of our approach. If we were talking to Thrive, a growth leader at Thrive Marketplace, we would position the message with, you know, we help your users at Thrive Marketplace purchase more product. That's just an, an example. 
And that's the purchase more Lara bars. You know, yeah, more Lara. Exactly. Exactly. Get Dave to eat some seaweed. Seaweed. Yes. Um, uh, my, my wife has been trying for years to get me to eat seaweed. Um, I, I have tried it. Um, so how about spam masubi? How about? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if it's not seaweed on its own, maybe seaweed like plus some other stuff. Anyways, we'll get there. We will definitely um, get there. A different podcast, a different day. I'll tell you about my first experience at a vegan restaurant. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so, you know, just re- some really uh, interesting tactical things that um, that you can do if you sort of get inside the mind of uh, who you're targeting. So let's talk geography. Because if you, uh, for our listeners, if you go to clevertap.com and you go check out some of their customers, there's a bunch of names that you probably don't know because they're in places all over the world. There's a few names like 7-Eleven and Disney Plus and Domino's and things that you do know, and there's some other ones that you don't. And I always think that the challenge for an international global company is so much more complex. And I'm curious, how do you align your team to be able to make sure that your messaging is correct, to make sure that you're quite literally speaking the same language and that everything is positioned so that you can achieve that type of resonant messaging? A couple different things. One, you know, you either have Goodyear blimp budgets, you know, so, you know, an insane amount of money that you can go spend on uh, branding your company globally which is what happens when you have, uh, you know, Goodyear Tire blimp money in, in your back pocket. The rest of us. Do you think they do have that much money, though? I mean, maybe the blimp isn't that much money. I don't know. That's a good question. You know, the, the um, uh, funny story, and I, I do know costs on blimps, definitely a different podcast also. But um, I mean, we do spend a significant amount of money on marketing. But when you think about, um, and if you go back to um, what we sort of covered a little bit earlier, everything becomes a database challenge. And so you've got these six different regions that uh, that you live and operate in. You know, CleverTap has been extraordinarily successful in, uh, in India uh, and throughout other parts of Asia over the last four or five years. The um, North American market and the Latin American market are newer markets um, for CleverTap. So the, um, the strategies are, are sort of a, a little bit different. We have a tremendous amount of name recognition inside and outside of India in that region and are doing pretty well throughout APAC as well. So the question is, you know, how can we continue to grow the business significantly in those markets and then simultaneous to that really grow the North American market out and the Latin American market out? So our our budgets are, are definitely geared to those challenges. On a side note, building databases in North America, which is was something I've been doing my entire career is significantly easier than any other part of the world. So to, to actually, you know, know all of the brands that you want to market in APAC, if you just took the Singapore market as, as an example, it's, it's much harder to actually identify 70% of the, the major corporations over there from a single source of data. Whereas in North America, there's a tremendous amount of services and options not all of them are great. You know, some of them are just okay. But when you combine data with an intent data 
And in our case, MAU data from other sources, it becomes really powerful. So we look at the North America market for 2021. We've had a lot of success in North America in the last 12 months. You'll hear a lot more about the CleverTap brand in 2021 and 2022. And my hope is, Ian, you're going to hear so much about our brand that you're going to call me up one day and say, I wish you just advertised using a blimp at a sporting event. That would, it would make me happy. I'm tired, I'm tired of seeing you all over the place. So our strategy is we want all of the people involved in growth to know about the CleverTap brand. And it's not a short-term strategy. This is a, you know, it takes time for brand to be established, it takes a, a commitment from a company to follow suit on that. Um, and that's a commitment that the team of, at CleverTap absolutely has. So I'm, I'm really confident and really excited about the uh, growth potential for us. It's endlessly fascinating to me. I mean, we market our shows in other countries, but I don't have experience building databases in other countries. I'm extremely fascinated by this. So basically what you're saying is in America, if you're selling B2B, you're trying to build, if you're doing ABM or something like that or whatever, and you're trying to build those target, whatever, 1,000 accounts, 10,000 accounts, whatever, there's just way more resources here. But if you were to do that in Singapore, there's just not enough tools and resources, or is it just hard in general, just being able to find those folks? Is this like a market opportunity for somebody out there who's listening to build these tools or what is it? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think some companies and there is some data, but the hard part is keeping the data accurate and, you know, how often the, the databases are actually clean. And so, you know, the secret sauce on this is, you know, identify the market that you want to succeed in and build a market size database, you know, build everything from the high end of the SMB market all the way up to um, large Lighthouse strategic accounts that you want to go after. You know, targeting Lighthouse and strategic accounts is different than targeting the mid-market. Um, so you mentioned ABM as well. And big fan of ABM, but sort of my take on ABM is there's different levels of ABM. There's the, you know, traditional sort of ABM programs that are really targeted at a handful of companies that you can target at any given time, which is great. If you're trying to build your business rapidly, and you're also trying to grab some portion of, of market share in, in a specific market, you need to you know, do 10 times as much ABM as you're currently doing in order to uh, to really grow at scale. And remember, we're in a B2B business, so it's a, it's a different strategy for this than, um, than, a, than a consumer product. In a B2B business like this, it becomes important that, you know, every every potential brand, whether or not they're a potential customer today, they could be a potential customer tomorrow and might be a potential customer 36 months from now, is aware of the CleverTap brand. And the only way to really do that is to um, make sure that the brand is getting in front of as many people as often as possible without sort of annoying them along the way. Yeah, that's a great point. And you know, you've been talking a lot about budgets, which is a great segue into our next segment, The Playbook. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. 
Hello? You play to win the game. This is where you open up that playbook and talk about the tactics that help you win, aka where are you spending those budgets. Now, I know you can't share all the secrets for CleverTab, but both here and in your previous roles, what are three channels or tactics that are your most uncuttable budget items? Uncuttable budget types. I love it. Ian, I want you to know the first time I've been asked that specific question in that way. You know, the first part, which we've spent a significant amount of uh, time talking about, is uh, is our database building efforts. I really don't think that, you know, successful B2B brands can actually really be successful without that sort of in play. There is the, uh, you know, scale of economy, you know, when your brand becomes Cisco or an Oracle level, then the uh, budget spending is different and what you cut out would be different. But in our case, definitely uh, database spend is, you know, one of the things I would not in any way veer away from. The second place that might be surprising to a lot of people, one of our, you know, biggest sort of challenges globally, and remember we're in six different regions, is, you know, how do we keep the CleverTap brand fresh? So I'm a big fan of actually having large PR teams that are able to help a company expand pretty rapidly in a specific market. So having been at CleverTap now for a quarter um, and, and sort of looking back at the previous history of the brand, not a lot of effort was put into PR in North America or Latin America. Um, so one of our first things was to you know, begin that process of getting um, sort of traditional PR in place so that we have the right amount of sort of air cover for the uh, for the brand as we look to expand it. One of the things we haven't talked about at all is our sort of our vertical strategy and how important the vertical strategy is. And PR certainly plays a large role in that it's not just you know writing a press release and putting it out there it's you know speaking at a e-commerce conference speaking at a fintech conference or webinar um and then having not just myself which i personally brand as the backwards hat cmo so uh which is our our new clever tap podcast the shameless plug time that will be out in march as well and we'll link it up in the show notes. I love it. Yes. Backwards hat. Backwards hat. True to the true to form. He's wearing a backwards hat right now. I am. I am. Um, and oh, of course, you know, COVID and it was hard to get a haircut for a long time. And uh, I had to rely on certain children in my house to attempt to cut my hair and it didn't go so well. That being said, um, we really look globally. So we're also bringing on a separate PR firm specifically for APAC. There's two markets in APAC that we'll target with that particular PR firm. And then there's a PR firm that is coming online next month in India as well. So when we really think about the strategy for a global company like CleverTap, while there's a lot of stuff that is is done on a global level through a centralized marketing organization, my experience has always been that the best way to grow a global brand 
is to grow it with leaders on the ground in those spaces and in those markets that you live in. So PR is my second thing. And then I guess my third thing is going to be boring for you. And I sort of apologize for this, but I'm based here in the uh, Silicon Valley. Um, Ian, I believe you are as well. You know, if you drive down the 101 freeway back in the day, you would see all these billboards on the uh, on the side of the freeway. As much as I, you know, would would love to um, regionally target with billboards someday for CleverTap, we do it virtually, and we do that through our PPC program. The sort of my take on PPC is different than a lot of other marketers in the B2B space. Indeed. A lot of other marketers in the B2B space would simply say to you, what's the return on investment for the amount of money we spend on our, our pay-per-click ads? What are we really getting back from them? And the truth is, if you just look at stuff like that, then you would, you would probably stop spending money on PPC ads. And what it really comes down to is brand recognition. And you want, you want people to be able to see your brand and think about your brand. In our particular case, you know, if you're doing a search for marketing engagement automation tools, you would want people to see your brand every time. And so the way I think about it and the way we um, allocate the dollars is, yes, we do set some of the dollars aside specific for ROI. But a large portion of our PPC budget is really just billboarding uh, budget dollars. And it's providing us a significant amount of brand recognition, which you need to do time and time and time and time again in order to really build a, a growth brand in the B2B space in a lot of the markets that we're in. How do you view your website? I view the um, website as... Um, as you know, it's sort of interesting that you would bring that up because we are T minus and the rebranded website and the updated website will probably be out prior to the release of this podcast. So I'm hoping, you know, by, by the time uh, by the time this comes out that you'll look at it in maybe a different way than you've seen it so far. My take on the um, on the website is that for our particular product, we target growth leaders inside organizations, and they need to have a strong understanding of how our product is going to benefit the Ians of the world. Hey, now. Uh, when they download their apps and are using their products. And I think in the space that we're in, that's the missed opportunity. That's the piece that is really going to separate us out from our competition. And there's some really good companies in the space. So, you know, lots of sort of compliments around from my perspective. But the way we position our company, it is in a different way. And we're really speaking to our customers, customers about how they will benefit from the use of it. And it's a, a completely different shift for CleverTap from a branding perspective. And it's a new shift inside this particular space. And I think what you'll see when uh, you see the updated brand is it's got more of a consumer flair to it. While we are, you know, targeting 
you know, the mid-market and the enterprise uh, with our brand. So it's a, it's an interesting uh, line to follow. And I will say this, I've got a, it's always good when you have a great group of, um, of designers on your team. And, um, and that's something that we absolutely have here. So um, I'm super excited for our upcoming unveiling and for you all to uh, uh, check it out. Okay, let's get to our next segment, The Dust Up. Uh-oh, here comes trouble. You may have heard that there was a dust-up involving yours truly. And now we've got a wild scrum with fights breaking out all over the place. And it is getting really ugly as we've got punches and kicks. This is all about healthy tension, whether that's with your board, your sales team, your competitors, or anyone else. Have you had a memorable dust-up in your career? Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it's like, uh, which dust-up should I talk about? So uh, I'm going to leave names and companies out of <laughs> out of this particular portion of this. So there was a marketing organization I was running. I, you know, sort of similar uh, in terms to um, uh, Clever Tap. It was uh, smaller when I got there. Had a, you know, within two and a half years, the company grew pretty significantly. Was well over fifty million dollars in revenue, and was continuing to grow. We had um, acquired a couple other companies along the way, and we were doing a product consolidation. When I got to the company, we did not have a, a head of product really in place. And certainly the concept of product marketing did not exist in any way at this particular company. I hired and brought in a, a head of product, and basically he oversaw the combination of all the products that we were bringing together. And this is still a friend of mine today. So the dust up was bad at the time. Uh, I think he's recovered by taking money from me on the golf course over the years. So I don't, I don't think he feels slighted in any way. But we, um, we spent six months developing a, a hybrid product that was combining the solutions from the uh, acquired companies. And we got down to the naming of the product. Now, when you deal with color, <laughs> you deal with fonts, you deal with content um, and you, you get too many, uh, you know, cooks in the room, it's going to be very difficult to ever get to any kind of consensus in, in a decision. So um, what I learned sort of early in my career was, uh, you know, limit the amount of people that actually can impact the look of something or impact the naming of something. And in this particular case, it was my current buddy and myself working on what this new product was going to be called. And I'm not going to get into what the recommendations were. You know, eventually I had to jump in and name the product for him. And I think there were several weeks where uh, went by where he was very upset about it. And he said, you know, what, what's my role as a, as a product slash product marketer if I can't name a product? And I said, yeah. That's true. When you take a step back and you say, would this name resonate with who you're targeting the product to? Uh, the answer would be no. So, um, so that, you know, so that, you know, I know that sounds harsh and everything to everybody out there. Once again, I am buddies with this particular person still today. And this was quite some time ago. But the challenges of it are challenges that I've sort of seen throughout my career with product naming 
branding, um, you know, redesigning, uh, rebranding companies, coming up with taglines. And, you know, my personal thing is always try to make things memorable. If you don't try to make things memorable, then you are not doing your job as a marketer. And when you look at a bunch of the B2B brands in the marketplace, how many of those would you consider to be memorable? Totally. Naming conventions with all that sort of stuff. I mean, we always say around here, marketing is meant to be remarkable. You know, you got, you got to be able to talk about it with somebody else. Okay, Dave, let's get to our next and final segment. Quick hits. These are quick questions and quick answers. Just like conversational marketing with Qualified.com, Qualified Prospects are on your website right now and you can talk to them quickly with Qualified.com. Qualified is the best. They've been with us since the first episode of the show and we love them. So check them out. Go to Qualified.com. I had a CMO who, who, who t- she texted me a few last week, two weeks ago, something like that. And she was just like, hey, we're demoing Qualified right now and it's the freaking best, best product on the market. So do what she's doing. She's a guest on this very show. So check out Qualified.com. Quick hits. Dave, are you ready? I am ready, and I, I just want the folks at qualified.com to know that we will also check them out. Hey, there you go. You're the best. What do you do for fun? I still golf. After midnight, um, uh, watch a ton of television. Favorite show right now? Imposters, which was a, a show that was on Bravo and uh, found its way over to, to Netflix. I mean, like, I would never be on Bravo so, so um, that's the really <laughs> interesting thing about um, these streaming services is they, you know, they're getting shows, you know, from other networks and, and repackaging them. Check out Imposters. It's the show you haven't heard of. It's great. Interesting. I will check it out. What's your best advice for a first time CMO trying to figure out demand gen? You know, everybody's problems are different. You know, there, there are CMOs that just do this, right? They're, they're just out. Uh, speaking and they're just out writing and they're sort of the public face uh, CMOs of a brand. For sure. That's great. And then if you're a first time CMO, though, you are probably stuck in the weeds. And I think resourcing and understanding the landscape that you live in as a CMO at a particular company is really important. If not, you will get stuck in the weeds and you'll probably not get out of the gate as soon as you need to get out of the gate. And I think that's what you see with more experienced CMOs is they usually come into a situation and, and know right away, you know, what are the processes and what are the programs that need to be put into place to build growth? Whereas an inexperienced CMO is going to come in and um, probably struggle with that a little bit out of the gate. Dave, this has been awesome having you on the show. Thanks so much for joining. For our listeners, go check out clevertap.com. You know, give a nudge to your uh, to your growth gal or guy. Have them check it out, especially if you have an app, if you're in e-commerce, check out clevertap.com. Dave, any final thoughts, anything to plug? You know, thanks for having me on the big show today, Ian. Yeah, do check out our rebranded site. Should be out. So I'd love to uh, hear from you. Uh, feel free to Hit me up on LinkedIn and love to get your feedback. Backwards Hat CMO too, uh, coming out. Theaters near you. 
That's right. That's right. Uh, Podcast theaters near you. Yeah. Uh, I, I recommend, uh, you know, listening to it and watching it in, in a movie theater. <laughs> um, I think that would be great. I think there's going to be some, unfortunately, uh, theaters available. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, to, to, to do our group listens. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. The Man Gen Visionaries is brought to you by our friends at Qualified.com, a conversational marketing company that's on a mission to transform the way B2B companies sell. Go to qualified.com to learn more.